Speaking of such things, this week is week two of our Onward Christian Soldier series. And, and last week was also a transition week. And so although last week was the first week of the Onward Christian Soldier series, I really didn't explain why we are doing an Onward Christian Soldiers series. So I I'd like to just take a few minutes and, and do that now. Um, last fall, I preached in the college and young adults class and, and it was um, designed to be kind of a motivating, encouraging message. And at the end of it, everybody looked like they'd been beat up. We started, we started Bible studies as a living well class about the same time. And it just seemed like from a spiritual, social, emotional, physical standpoint, it just seemed like everybody started getting beat up. And there was a lot of discouragement. There was depression. There was physical ailments and, you know, aches and pains and whatever we all have flared up at that time. I don't know if it did for you. It did for me. Uh, I underwent knee surgery uh, since then, you know, um, this thing after. So anyway, you know, we're in a spiritual battle. And so I was at that time motivated to start an Onward Christian Soldiers series to help us just be mindful of the things that we need to be mindful of. And, and we were finishing up our Roman series, and, and that took a little bit. And then with the COVID and mission focus, we're just now finally getting to this Onward Christian soldier series, but I think it's been a long time coming. I do think it's necessary because we are fighting the good fight of faith. And without a, the right understanding of a fight, the reality is, is that we will likely quit right at the time when the battle will be decided. Let me give you a couple of illustrations from the wrestling world, not WWE wrestling. Okay. But real wrestling, the, the sport of, of amateur wrestling, like they do in high schools and colleges and the Olympics. So first illustration is this. My six-year-old son, Jonathan, we had trained them. And when we're training kids to wrestle, we teach them the basics because that's what matters. If, if you watch Olympic wrestling, they're doing the same moves as kids do in, in little kids wrestling. It's just they do them way better. It's the basics that are important in sports. It's not some weird move that you can, that you can, you can pull out from nowhere. So, so I taught Jonathan, his coaches taught him this. I was one of his coaches. If you can do a double leg takedown, if you can do a stand up, and if you can do a half Nelson, you know everything you need to know to win a wrestling match. So we sent, Little six-year-old Jonathan out on the mat, and he got whooped. And he came back, and he was tearful, and he was upset. I said, it's okay, little buddy. You know, it's okay. You fought hard. You know, buck up. You'll win. Just keep. And he said, I'm not mad at me. I'm mad at you. Okay. And if you know Jonathan, he's very logical. Okay. He said, I'm mad at you. I said, why are you mad at me? I'm not the one that went out there and just got like beat. Like what? You should be mad at. He said, no, no, no. Look, you told me if I knew a half Nelson, a stand up and a double leg takedown, I knew everything I needed to know. He goes, I know a stand up. I know a double leg takedown. 
and I know how to do a half Nelson, and I lost. You lied to me. It's like, well, yes. We forgot to tell you it's a fight. Not like a street fight, not like a you're being a bully fight. But no, wrestling is kind of fighting. It's there's rules, it's legal, no one gets injured, you know. I mean, but it's a fight. Yeah, oh, we forgot to tell you the other kid is gonna wrestle back. He's gonna fight back. We forgot to tell you that. Yeah, that okay, so that's my fault. But just knowing here on Ford that other kid. He doesn't want to get beat any more than you do. He's going to fight back, and it's going to be a fight. You're going to have to struggle, and it's going to be hard. There's going to be a battle going along with that. Okay, let me give you another wrestling illustration, if I can. Dan Gable is perhaps the most famous name in American wrestling. He was known for his toughness. So Dan Gable was a, a, a wrestler, but then he became a wrestling coach. And... Half the country wanted to wrestle for Dan Gable on his team. So this is what Dan Gable would do. He would get people to come in and interview for the team, and he would talk to them, and he'd look at the record. And, of course, anyone who's going to wrestle at that level athletically is superior to almost everyone else out there. Just everything's wired right. They're wired for this sport. They're physically dominant, and they're used to winning, and they're used to meeting whatever goal they set physically. They're used to winning. So this is what Dan Gable would do. He wouldn't put him on the mat. He would put him on his Schwinn Airdyne exercise bike, where you're pedaling and, and you're pushing with your arms. And he would give him some impossible goal to achieve on the exercise bike. So these young men, this is back in the, in the 70s, and, and these young men would get on the Schwinn Airdyne bike confidently because they always win. That's why they're going to wrestle at D1 in college, and they'd start to, to exercise. And, and then pretty soon, they would look at where they're at and the goal that the coach had set. They would think, oh, my goodness, this is impossible. And then they would try harder, and pretty soon the lungs start burning. The legs start burning, and, and out of, if you've ever done sports, you know this. Your legs start talking to you, okay? Your lungs start talking to you, and they start calling you names like, stupid. What were you thinking? This is the worst idea ever. I'm sure this seemed like a good idea at the time, but we should just quit now. It's too hard. You're going to die if you keep going. There's a point at which your body, your whatever that is, starts telling you you should just quit. Okay. Dan Gable would look at that wrestler at that moment and decide if he was really a wrestler. Because, see, that's the moment which either you're going to wrestle back against the voices, against the chatter, against how you feel, against this doubt that says you can't do it, you should just quit because it's too hard. This is the point at which he decided if they're a wrestler, it didn't matter if they're a four-time state champion and could bench press 400 pounds and beat everyone else, if they couldn't wrestle against a Schwinn Airdyne exercise bike, if they quit right when the battle really started, because the battle doesn't start till then. You don't have to fight back until that moment. 
at which the, the everything's telling you to quit because it's too hard. That's when the battle starts. If you say to yourself, yeah, I'm, you know, I might die trying, but I'm not going to quit. If my legs give out, my legs give out, but I'm not going to stop. That's someone who's willing to engage in the battle. That's when the battle starts, though, and that's when the battle is decided. If someone quits when it gets hard, you never really entered the battle. You just put on the uniform. Okay, so we as a class and we as a church started doing evangelistic Bible studies in our communities. Okay. Well, the world, the devil, and the flesh aren't going to let us just start winning souls making disciples and training leaders in order to fulfill the mission that we've been given across our city, our region, and the world. There's going to be pushback. Okay, well, this pushback, the Bible calls fighting, fighting the good fight of faith, warring a good warfare, pulling down strongholds, wrestling against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places. Is there, is there spiritual wickedness in high places? Yeah. There is. Enduring hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. That's what the Bible talks about over and over and over again. Our new members class, our cost of discipleship class, our pulpit ministry of Midtown Baptist Temple. In this class, we promote the basics. Look, get the Bible opened with people and just show them what it says. Creation to Christ. We've been trained in that. Discovery Bible Method. We went through a series in this class. We've been trained in that. Evangelical Bible studies. Okay, listen, stick to the basics, guys. But here's the thing. I don't want to be guilty of what I was guilty of with my six-year-old and forget to say it's a fight. So, yeah, all we need is each other, the mission of God, the Word of God, the Spirit of God the structure of a church that's designed to fulfill this mission. We have everything we need, but listen, don't be surprised when it's hard. Why is doing the right thing always seem so hard? Because it's a battle, because it's a fight. Okay, that's the reason for the Onward Christian Soldier series. Because when it gets hard, not if, when we reach out to fulfill the mission that God's given us, and as we go forth to win souls and make disciples, when it gets hard, that's when we stand. That's when we fight. That's not when we quit. But if we don't have the right mindset, if we don't have that understanding, then right at the point which the battle's decided, we'll just say, well, I guess it didn't work because it got too hard, and then we just quit. So I hope that makes sense. By way of review from last week, last week was our official week one of Onward Christian Soldiers. We looked at the unfeigned faith of Grandma Lois out of 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. And we have our own Grandma Lois here in class. And so, and it was Mother's Day. So that was perfect. Thank you, Lois, for being a faithful grandma and a mama to be the perfect illustration for that. But the passage we're in is 2 Timothy chapter 1, 5 through 7. So turn with me, if you would, to 2 Timothy chapter 1 in your Bible. And this is what we read. 
This is what we read. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. Wherefore, Paul teaches Timothy, I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. For God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So last week we focused on that, on that first verse, verse 5, the unfeigned faith of Grandma Lois. And what we saw was that Grandma Lois passed her faith to her daughter who passed that same faith down to Timothy. Well, studying out that faith, we saw that it was unfeigned, that it was mature, that it was a fearless faith, that is, fearing God and not man. But it was an obvious faith, faith, that is, it was evident to others. And it was a consistent faith. And part of the study there was this idea of dissimulation or dissimulating. Nobody uses that word anymore, but it sounds like dissimilar. And that's what we should think of to get our understanding of it. To, if something is similar, it's the same. So dissimilar things are not the same. And here's the problem with this with dissimulation. When I talk to my friends, if I'm dissimulating, I talk to them in a way that I want them to be pleased with me. I'm a people pleaser. So I will say what I think they want to hear. And then on Sunday, I come to church and I meet with you all and I speak in a way that I think you might be pleased with me. So that's hypocrisy. I don't act the same. I change who I am and what I say based on my situation. That's called dissimulation. Well, if we're to have an unfeigned faith, that is not a fake faith, but a real faith, I can't act one way here and another way here like a politician going around making promises to people that he or she has no intention of keeping. We need to have an unfeigned faith, and so we can't dissimulate. And really the homework for last week was to look at our lives and see if there's areas where we do that. Areas where because of the fear of man, we ignore the fear of God and we, and we, we dissimulate to see if we have any areas like that to find them and then just remove those areas from our lives. Just be who you are in Christ. What a blessing it is to just be free from worrying about what everybody thinks all the time. So, to pass on our faith to others, we have to have a faith like Grandma Lois. It has to be unfeigned, mature, obvious, and consistent. And, by the way, all of that we talked about, because here's the mission that God has give, given us. Reproduce that faith that you have in others. That's both the mission and methodology. We call that discipleship. So we need to have discipleship, the mission and methodology of passing on our faith to others. So that's, what, that's a review from last week. This week, we're, we're moving on to focus on this remembrance. Paul says, Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. So we're going to focus on the remembrance and the stirring up of the gift within us. This week is remembrance. Next week is stirring up, and these things go together, but that's what we're going to be focusing on here. So, 
in terms of remembrance, it can happen that the critical moments, okay, when remembering is most important, those are the moments we forget. You know why we forget? Because it's a critical moment. Critical moments are stressful. Critical moments are met with attack. Critical moments when we need to remember is the very moment we tend to forget. Let me give you an illustration. One of the best doctors I know tells a story of when he was a new doctor. <clears throat> and his first code blue. So code blue, they're not breathing or their heart's not beating. I mean, it's bad. This is the most critical moment. If we can't get this person back in the next little bit, we're not getting them back. So the process, the, the protocol, the medicines to give, when to give them, at what doses, that you have to know that like the back of your hand. So you don't have time to think about it in the moment. It's just time to act. There's no time to get the labs back. You just, you just act. And as doctors were trained in that, I know that like the back of my hand. Well, so did this doctor, but he tells the story of his first code blue. The moment he's been training for, the moment he learned all that stuff for. And he gets called code blue in room 27 and he goes down to room 27 and he looks in and there's a body on the bed. And he looks up and there's a whole room full of people, a team who got there before him and they're just expectantly looking at him like, tell us what to do, we're ready. And his mind just went blank. And he could not recall in the moment the medicine, the doses, how often to give it, for what indications, how much electricity delivered at, at what increments, for what indications. What do I give to restart the heart? What do I give to prevent heart dysrhythmias? What medicines do I give to innovate? What size tube? All that stuff that he knew like the back of his hand and five minutes before could have lectured us all on in the moment because it was critical in the very moment he needed it most, he forgot it. Well, okay, Christian, <laughs> for us, you know, I know all the husband verses. I've taught him more times than I can count. I know how a husband's supposed to communicate. Okay, but every once in a while, in the moment, I forget. Christine knows all the wife verses. Boy, you give her a multiple choice question on what Christian wives should look like, she'll get 100%, I guarantee it. But every once in a while, in the moment, it's like her mind goes blank. No, no, you're kidding. All right, but listen, sometimes in the moment when it's most important is when we forget. And don't you know that's the reason you learned all that is for that moment. Okay, so remembrance, being in a state of remembrance is important. So Paul didn't say, Timothy, I want you to remember something. He said, I want you to be, I want to put you in remembrance. So being in remembrance, I am in a state of remembering. That's different than just recalling something, right? I'm in a state of remembrance. 
different than just recalling something. And this is a theme that we see in, in Paul's teaching to Timothy. In fact, if you turn back a few pages to First Timothy chapter 4, verse 6, Paul tells Timothy, his up-and-coming pastoral leader that he's training for leadership in the church, he says, If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ and of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained. Make sure people remember the things that they've been taught. Okay, 2 Timothy chapter 1 in our passage here, in verse 3, Paul says, I thank God whom I serve for my forefathers with pure conscience, that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day. Verse 5, when I call to remembrance. Verse 6, wherefore I put thee in remembrance. Ver chapter 2, verse 14. Of these things, put them in remembrance. Okay, when you see this, especially in Paul's writings, he'll do us a favor. And if you look at the words he's using, the theme of the book or a theme of the book will come to light quickly. So in the book of Ephesians, for example, Ephesians chapter 1, read through that and see how many times Paul says, in Christ, in him, in the Lord. There's your theme for the book of Ephesians. Go to 2 Corinthians and look at the first chapter and see how many times Paul uses the word comfort or consolation, and you'll see the, a theme for that book. And so Paul, in his writings to Timothy, we see this theme in 2 Timothy chapter 2 very clearly where this word keeps coming up, remembrance, remembrance, remembrance. And that is a major theme. Okay, well, it's important. It's important and part of it just for the reasons that we talked about, but we're going to study that out a little bit this morning. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17, Paul's talking to the church at Corinth. Speaking of remembrance, here's what Paul says. For this cause, he says, I've sent unto you Timotheus, who is my beloved son and faithful Lord, who shall bring you into remembrance of my ways, which be in Christ, as I teach everywhere in every church. He didn't say, hey, listen to this. We're a teaching church, and we love to get into the deep things of God. Amen? He didn't say, I'm sending unto you Timotheus, my beloved son, faithful in the Lord, who shall teach you new things. He says, I'm, I'm, I'm sending him to you to put you in remembrance of the basics. The Because you know why? Because you'll forget in the moment. You'll start living your life. You'll start having a bad day. There's storms. There's depression. There's diagnosis. There's discouragements. There's drama. Oh, my goodness, the drama. And you'll forget. So Paul says, I'm sending you to Timotheus not to learn some new thing, but to remember the things that I've preached unto you. Peter, in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 1, he says, This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in which I both stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. Same thing. I'm stirring up your pure mind, just like Paul is stirring up the spirit of power, love, and a cell in mind in Timothy by helping you to remember, by putting you in a state of remembrance. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 2, the next verse, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. So here's Peter. I love this. Here is Peter telling us these words to 
to be in remembrance, to stir up our pure minds so that we can be mindful of the right things. And I love this because this is the same Peter that Christine talked about when she taught on the word from the Lord on Wednesday. Did you catch that? Okay. Well, I'm just going to steal from her message and build on that momentum. So turn with me to second or to uh, Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14. And this is a familiar story. This is what Christine was teaching about where Peter and Jesus are walking on the water. So let me read that real quick. Second, or, uh, Matthew 14 verses 22 through uh, 32 maybe. And straight, so after they fed the 5,000, Jesus said, hey, I'm going to, straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and, and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And while he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. Why is it so hard? Just to simply do what we're supposed to do. Why does it seem like the wind is always contrary? Well, yeah. Okay, verse 25. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It's a spirit. And they cried out for fear. The professional fishermen, the tough guys. Ah! It's a spirit. It's a ghost. Ah! If they would have been on the Discovery Channel, like fishermen of the Sea of Galilee, and there's a storm, and then they saw that they're like, ah, like Wicked Tuna, or uh, you know, like the tough guys. On anyway, would have made a good episode, is all I'm saying. Verse 27, though, but straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, "Be of good cheer; it's I. Be not afraid." And Peter answered and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. So this is the same Peter writing to us as an old man saying, hey, I want you to be mindful. I want you to keep in mind these things and I want to put you in remembrance. I want to stir up the, the mind. And so we see Peter in this situation. And I think there's some things we can learn from his example. Because we know back in 2 Timothy chapter 1, we know that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. But you know what? Were they not afraid when they thought they saw a ghost? Were they not afraid when the winds were boisterous? Were they not afraid when Peter was concerned about his own well-being? So, you know, I, we can't be hard on them because we're fearful too at times. We talked last time about the unfeigned faith and the reason people have a hypocritical faith, which, by the way, does not get passed down, 
But the reason they have a hypocritical faith is because they're afraid. They're afraid of what people will think. So they change their behaviors. They change their words. They change their countenance, their attitudes. But here we see that God has not given us a spirit of fear. Okay, so, so let's, let's look here. When the disciples saw him walking and they saw this supernatural thing, they knew this wasn't normal. But what happened was they were troubled. They said, it's a spirit. They were afraid this is some sort of devil, some sort of ghost, that this was going to be a wicked, evil spirit of some sort that was going to be able to do them harm. They were troubled. They cried out in fear. So listen. We have pushback against the world, the devil, and the flesh. They're afraid of the devil here. They're afraid this is a wicked spirit, an evil spirit, a ghost of some sort that's going to do them harm, and it caused them to fear. Well, God hasn't given them a spirit of fear, but we know we're not, we're not blind to the, the wiles of the devil. We know how he works, and one way he works is through a spirit of fear. Here's the solution to the spirit of fear. Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it's I. Be not afraid. Don't be afraid, I'm with you. And if the disciples would have had a more of a sound mind and maybe had a discussion <laughs> instead of panicked in the moment when it was most critical, they might have had a conversation something like this. Did not Jesus send us to go across the sea? Are we not here in this place at his bidding according to his mission and his clear instruction and if so we can trust him as the captain of the host we can trust him as the one who sent us to take care of any spiritual problems that will come up along the way okay so so here's our, our first main point here on, on on this christ's presence is enough to combat the fear of devils We've been given a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. The presence of God in Peter's story, that's all it took. They weren't afraid of ghosts anymore. It's Jesus. Jesus is with us. He's at work. Okay, well, is that true? Is that true? They forgot, didn't they? They, they forgot that he had power over the enemy, that he could do miracles. He's walking on water. Anyway, okay. All right, so next point. Let's go to the next one. <clears throat> go back. Right there. This is, this is Peter. When he saw the wind boisterous, good vocabulary word right there, boisterous. Use that one. <laughs> he was afraid. Okay, wait a minute. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You just said, hey, if Jesus, if it's you, call me out on the water. And, and then he was walking to Jesus. He got out of the boat. He was acting in faith. Jesus said, come on. He's got God at his word that he can come out of the boat. He did well until he began to doubt. He saw the wind was boisterous. He began to rethink this. You know how the Bible describes that rethinking? wavering he wavered wait 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 this seemed like a good idea at the time it wasn't just a good idea at the time it was according to jesus's words 
See, and then what we do is we start to rationalize and we start to consider and we start to second guess. You don't do that when everything's going easy. You do that when there's pushback. You do that when it gets hard. The wrestler did that on the airdyne when it, all of a sudden fear and doubt start to come in. Okay. He was afraid, beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. Now, that's the right answer, right? I mean, that's the right thing. Lord, save me. I thought I was going to do something, and I, I'm drowning. Lord, save me. That's, that's good prayer. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore did thou doubt? And here's the thing I want to put. Why did you doubt? You started out. Why did, well, we know why he doubted. The wind was boisterous. Now, Peter is in heaven looking down going, oh, no, that's an understatement. Like, if you'd have been there, it was really cold, and there was sharks, and, you know, Sharknado was happening, and, and like this, you just read that. It's easy to read that. He said, it's not so easy to walk on water when it's like that. Okay, but what Jesus said was, why did you doubt? Why did you go from a position of faith to a position of doubting when the winds were boisterous and all of a sudden fear of your own well-being started factoring into this thing? He took his eyes off Jesus. Okay, so, all right, so let's go to the next slide. We've been given the spirit of love. And don't you know that Christ's presence is enough for our own well-being? God loves you. Oh, but see, you forgot that in the moment. And all of a sudden, you started focusing on your own self-provision and self-protection and self-promotion. Instead of leaving that to the Lord, knowing that he loves you like a good father and that he's for you, you know, okay. Oh, and by the way, once we've received that spirit of love, once you've perceived it, 1 John, and then received it, First John, now you can reciprocate it back to God and back to others because he first loved us. You can't give away what you don't have. But if you have love, if you've received grace and you've received mercy, which by the way you have, if you keep that in remembrance, now you have that spirit of love, mercy, grace to treat others right. Okay, spirit of a sound mind. Christ's presence is enough to answer distracting doubts. They were troubled. They were fearful. They're crying out. Well, we've been given a spirit of a sound mind. And so Christ's presence in Peter's story, well, that, that helps us. We've been given the spirit of God who indwells us. Christ dwells in our hearts by faith. We know that we have everything we need for what he's called us to do. <clears throat> Isaiah chapter 26, 3 and 4. Here's what we read. It's a good Old Testament uh, view of this same thing. That will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on me because he trusteth in me. Trust ye in the Lord forever, for he is the Lord Jehovah. He is everlasting strength. So perfect peace doesn't come from perfect circumstances. Perfect peace comes from not forgetting. Peter said, I'm putting you in remembrance that you may be mindful. If, if we will keep 
our mind full, stayed on him, not distracted by everything else, then fear doesn't really have a foothold. It'll try. The voices are going to be talking to you, the doubts, the fears, the world, the devil, and the flesh. Did you see the world, the devil, and the flesh in those things? The wind was boisterous. Yeah, every time you try to do something right, you're going to be met with resistance. The world's wired against biblical Christianity and the, and, the, and the love and the light and the truth and the grace and the mercy. Okay, the devil. When you, There's a spirit. Ah, well, no, just focus on Christ. And then the flesh, my own well-being. That, that's what the devil has to work with to try to get us distracted, to keep our minds off of, of spiritual reality. And so really here, you know, we have a, a, a ministry principle at Midtown Baptist Temple that sounds like this. We minister in light of spiritual reality. That's what, I'm, that's what it's talking about. This is what it's talking about. Oh, yeah, okay, I forgot to tell you. It's a battle. It's going to be uncomfortable. We're going to be met with resistance. You know, that's okay. Just when it gets hard is when we fight. It's not when we quit. So our quiet times are us coming into a place of remembrance. We put on the armor of God. Why? Because it's a spiritual battle. Without the armor of God, we're not going to do well today in this spiritual battle. <clears throat> All right, so here, here's some applications, some main points for us. All right, remember that Remember that fear can make us forget spiritual reality. And this tends to happen right in the moment when you need to be remembering. Okay? Because it's a high stress time. Because it's a critical time. Because there's drama. That's the time when we need most to remember and live in light of spiritual reality. A state of remembrance mindfulness of what you know to be true is what's emphasized not gaining new knowledge okay i love gaining new knowledge we're a teaching church we we try to fathom the depths of god's word it's fun it's fun i love seeing patterns in scripture that go from genesis to revelation even though those books were written 2000 years apart Bible was written on three different continents by 41 different men, and there's patterns all the way through Scripture that are undeniable fingerprints of God on this book. Man could not have written and put together the Bible. Impossible. With no contradiction. I love that. I love seeing the deep things. Okay. That's not what's going to get the job done. Being mindful being put in remembrance of the basics. You know, the spiritual armor that we put on, it's not super deep things. The helmet of salvation. Breastplate of, yeah. Loins girt about with truth. Feet shod with the preparation of the gospel. Shield of faith. Sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. None of those things are deep, doctrinal, fundamental Baptist things. 
Those are things which are true of us according to God's word. Now listen, I'm not apologizing for, for that, for the deep stuff, for the cool stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm cool if everybody wants to learn that stuff. But what's being emphasized as Paul trains his pastoral leader is, hey, remember what you know to be true. Don't forget. Stay mindful of the basics. We forget when we should be remembering. That's the problem. Not that we don't have new knowledge. We don't live according to the knowledge we have. Okay. We have within us the, the, the spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. Wow. And staying in remembrance stirs that up. Remembering what God has done. Do you remember what God's done for you? Hitherto, God's been faithful. Okay, so today I'm a lot less likely to doubt whether you're going to be faithful today. God, I've trusted in you. You've come through. That, that helps me remember that I can trust him too, even though storms may come, even though difficulties may come. So listen, here, here's the application for us. Minister in light of spiritual reality. That means our quiet times need to include a time of rem putting ourselves in remembrance of what we know to be true. Putting on that spiritual armor. You know you're saved. Yeah, put on your helmet anyway. You know God will save you in times of trouble. Yeah, put that helmet on anyway. Well, I have faith. Well, grab your shield. You're going to need it today. Put yourself in remembrance that we're in a spiritual battle. Because it's not just knowing how to do creation to Christ. It's not just knowing how to do discovery Bible method. It's not just evangelizing. It's not just discipleship, D1, D2, LFP. It's knowing that you're in a spiritual battle and that there's going to be pushback and that it's going to, there's, there's going to be pushback. It's going to be hard. That's the moment that we settle into our stance and we fight. That's not the moment we quit. Christianity today, there's a lot of seeker-sensitive stuff like live your best life now, and, 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 and if it's hard, there's something wrong. That's not biblical Christianity. If it's not hard, there's probably something wrong. Don't sign up for hard. But as you go out on the mission, there's going to be pushback. Okay, let's pray and we'll finish up. Father, we love you. I thank you for your word. I thank you for everyone gathered here today and those who are gathered online. God, we, uh, we want to be put in remembrance of spiritual things that we might have the right understanding so that we don't quit when we when we need to just dig in and, and stand strong. So Father, I pray for this uh, Onward Christian Soldiers series, God, that you would use it to encourage us, to enliven us, to edify us. God, that we would stir up within us pure minds by way of remembrance, that we would stir up within us uh, the love, the, the power, the sound mind that you've been given us. And Lord, we wouldn't be, wouldn't be fearful God, we confess to you that too many times we're fearful, and then we, we react in fear before we ever stop and consider spiritual reality. So, God, I pray that we would all in our quiet times, just every day, recognize it's going to be hard because there, there actually is going to be spiritual pushback. But, God, that's not a time to quit. That's a time to fight. So, God, we love you. We thank you. We ask all these things in Jesus' name.